0: Our Bibles are open this morning to 2nd Chronicles and we're in chapter number 14. 2nd Chronicles, the 14th chapter, if you'll turn in God's Word with us please. And then there's one verse found in 1st Samuel, that's chapter 14 also. We'll have an occasion in a moment to call our attention to that verse. 1st Samuel number 14, 2nd Chronicles chapter number 14. My joy to open God's word with you again on this beautiful Lord's day in the midst of His presence. I don't know that I'm, <clears throat> I'm able to preach this morning, I'm filled up this morning, I tell you, my cup runneth over. And... Uh, fact I like it when it happens like that I said to someone that uh, mentioned that they were glad that the Lord had permitted me to be in your midst again and my response was I said to my wife and I referred this to the person I said I mentioned that this is one of the highlights of my year and I say that sincerely to get to come to temple baptist I've been coming now, I think this is the ninth year, about six of them in a revival setting. And three of them was on weekends. And uh, each year, it just sort of, well, I enjoyed the first time I was here, but it's a little different now than it was nine years ago. There's a wonderful sense of God's presence. Always I've enjoyed His presence here, but I tell you, there's just something extreme. (laughs) And uh, if you move around, as I do, somewhere every week, you're aware of that. And one of the dangers when God is meeting with the church, as he's meeting with you, is you have the tendency to get used to it, sort of take it for granted if you're not careful. So I don't say to reflect on any other place negatively, but I tell you there's a reality, a warmth, a sweetness of God's presence in this room. I need to talk a little before I get my text. I can't preach yet. Amen. I tell you, when our brother, where did he get to that came and led us in prayer, that soul moved on my heart. The reality of the Lord and that dear brother's prayer and the obvious commitment he has to our God and God's hand in the service. Well, I apologize for my hoarseness. I've been down in Birmingham for a couple of weeks and They had some kind of bug going around, and I I was able to escape it the first week, but I got it the last week, and it's still hanging on. So you pray that uh, my voice will be strong enough that I can get through the text and the message this morning. Our text scripture takes us back some 2,900 years ago. I've written across the top of the page of the scripture here that I'm reminded that Paul said in 1 Corinthians 10, these Old Testament stories were given for our admonition, our instruction. And uh, we're, we're looking at a, the third king of Judah. His name is Asa. And in particular, we're, we're looking at what Asa did in the midst of an overwhelming situation in his life. And trust that God will give us some instruction. Keep in mind, he's given these, not just tell us that this event of history some 2,900 years ago took place, but God says, when you read this, we're to learn, we're to be instructed, we're to find help about what to do when we're overwhelmed with such an overwhelming situation as sometimes we encounter. We're told in verse 1 that, Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David, and Asa's son reigned in his stead. In his days the land was quiet ten years. Asa did that which was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the altars of the strange God in the high places, break down the images, cut down the groves, commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and do the law and the commandment. Also he took away out of all the cities of Judah the high places and the images, And the kingdom was quiet before him. He built fenced cities in Judah for the land had rest. And he had no war in those years because the Lord had given him rest. Therefore he said to Judah, let us build these cities make about them walls and towers and gates and bars. While the land is yet before us because we've sought the Lord our God. We've sought him and he hath given us rest on every side. So they built and prospered. Asa had an army of men that bare targets and spears, out of Judah, 300,000. Out of Benjamin that bare shields and drew bows, 204 thousand. All of these were mighty men of valor. Now that's a rather sizable army for Judah, some 580,000 skilled, courageous men. There came out against them Zerah the Ethiopian with a host of 1,000,000 and 1, 300 chariots and came unto Marisha. Then Asa went out against him, and they set the battle in array in the valley of Zepharath at Marisha. Asa cried unto the Lord his God, and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. So the Lord smote the Ethiopians before Asan, before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. Asan, the people that were with him, pursued them unto Gerar, and the Ethiopians were overthrown. They could not recover themselves, for they were restored before the Lord and before his host. And they carried away very much spoil. They smote all the cities round about Gerar, for the fear of the Lord came upon them. And they spoiled all the cities, for there was exceeding much spoil in them. They smote also the tents of cattle, and carried away sheep, and camels in abundance, and returned to Jerusalem. Now we'll look in just a moment at some words of counsel from one of these verses. But in these next verses, notice that connecting word, and, so we're to read something here and see what he's going to say to us. A word of caution here. And the Spirit of God came upon Azariah the son of Odin. He went out to meet Asa and said to him, Hear ye me, Asa all Judah and Benjamin? The Lord is with you while you be with him. If you seek him, he'll be found of you, but if you forsake him, he'll forsake you. As an illustration of that now, he says, For a long season, Israel, their neighbors over there, Israel hath been without the true God and without a teaching priest and without law, but when they in their trouble did turn unto the Lord God of Israel and sought him, He was found of them. In those times there was no peace to him that went out, nor to him that came in, but great vexations were upon all the inhabitants of the countries. Nation was destroyed of nation and city of city, for God did vex them with all adversity. Be you strong, therefore, and let not your hands be weak, for your work shall be rewarded. And when Asa heard these words and the prophecy of Oded the prophet, He took courage and put away the abominable idols out of all the land of Judah and Benjamin out of the cities which he had taken from Mount Ephraim and renewed the altar of the Lord that was before the porch of the Lord. He gathered all Judah and Benjamin and the strangers with them out of Ephraim and Manasseh and Simeon for they fell to him out of Israel in abundance when they saw that the Lord his God was with him. I call our attention to one verse, chapter number 14 and verse number 11, Asa cried to the Lord his God and said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Help us, O Lord, our God, for we rest on thee, and in thy name we go against this multitude. O Lord, thou art our God, let not man prevail against thee. I preached a series on prayer when I was in the pastorate. We just took the prayers of the Bible and we just, whoever was praying, we just simply say, if it was Abraham, Abraham will lead us in prayer. We came to this prayer one Sunday evening and I entitled the sermon, Asa will lead us in prayer. The Lord has brought my attention in recent months back to this text our president on September the 14th at the National Prayer and Remembrance Day, he asked our country to pray. Specifically, he made this statement as he requested prayer for our emergency. And then he mentioned, as he brought the emergency into focus, he, he mentioned The word crisis. I was in the presence of a person who was commenting about uh, his request, his plea for the country to pray for him and to pray for the leaders and to pray for us as a country. And this person, in all sincerity, and it was a person that was asking some questions about the event of September the 11th, Asking some leaders in that community. And this person, I repeat with all sincerity, he he raised this question. He said, if we follow the request, the plea of our president, and we pray in our national emergency, what would be an appropriate prayer? Now think with me for a moment. Man's asking the question, I would appear and hear in his comments and Been around him that perhaps he was not accustomed to uh, exercising that such a needed exercise of prayer. But he was very sincere and it was not a put down. He was very sincere when he said what would be an appropriate prayer in our emergency. In our crises. I thought about that. I was reading this scripture. Here's this good man Asa. In many, many ways he would be a good example, especially here. Suddenly, oh, you're talking about an emergency. You're talking about an overwhelming situation. I mean, I commented, he has a rather sizable army, some 580,000 skilled men, these valiant men in his army, but suddenly he's confronted, he's outnumbered two to one. There's a million in the other man's army. Not only outnumbered, he's outclassed. The other fellow, they have 300 chariots. And that happens rather suddenly. It's of interest to notice, and I commented, or rather I I noted noted again this morning there in the motel room looking at it in verse one, verse five, verse six, and verse seven. We're told repeatedly that Asa's kingdom was enjoying peace and quiet, but suddenly the quiet and the peace of his kingdom is disturbed. What do you do when suddenly you're overwhelmed with such an emergency that it, it just shatters everything around you. I'm not talking now so much nationally. Of course, that was such a devastating and unthinkable event, 9 11. But we're not talking about that now. We're not so much right now talking about this national emergency that Asa finds himself facing and the people of God, these some over 2,900 years ago. I want us for the few minutes that I'm going to take now, I want us just sort of bring it into focus. I may be speaking to people that something has happened even now at the present. You're aware of it, and it's rather, you know, it's rather shattered the peace and the quiet of your kingdom, your family kingdom, your personal kingdom, or in, in numbers of ways that... I mean, these things happen to us. What are we to do? What's the appropriate response to it? What would be the scriptural thing to do? What would be the thing that God would have us to do? What would be the thing that would honor him and bring glory to him and perhaps minister and help those around us and then bring help to us? I make three suggestions from verse number 11. Asa's prayer is a model to me as I've thought about it, and, and, and we, we preached over 75 sermons on prayer. I noticed in the tape catalog on just prayers from the Bible, just tuck different people's prayer and try to take them apart and look at them. And I would have to say, in studying all of those prayers, and been going back and thinking and been preaching in some prayer conferences, going back over some of them. Uh, this one here would have to be, at least I guess because that in recent months it's come to me in a, in a disturbing situation, a disturbing time that, oh, when I need again to, to focus on what to do in a situation like that. And God caused it to be his word personally to my needy heart. You say, Brother Hurt, what are the suggestions? There's three of them. First, I want us to just notice that Uh, and I need to do this, uh, something that Asa recognized about God. And then secondly, I I want us just briefly to look at what he requests from God, that which he recognized about God, then that which he requested from God. And then I close, in my understanding, it's the bottom line, really. It's something that he reminds God of. And I don't mean to suggest Asa feels God is forgotten. He doesn't do that. But oftentimes you study the prayers of the Bible like Nehemiah's prayer. He'll take God's word back down in Moses and say to God many years later, he said, God, remember what you said to your servant Moses. That's an effective way to pray in the Bible. They'll take God's word and go back and say, Lord, this is thy word. And If you're walking with him in the right attitude, he'll let you do that. He'll welcome that. He likes it when you stand on his word and you say to him, this is thy word. I didn't say this, Lord. You said this. And so he sort of brings it, though he's not quoting a verse, as it were, as some of the other people the Bible did in prayer, but he is reminding God of something that he's aware of, and it's a blessed truth. You say, what do he recognize about God? Let me just suggest in his prayer, he said, and I notice again in verse number 11, he said, Lord, it is nothing with thee to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. <laughs> so let me paraphrase it. He's really recognizing the unique ability of God. He's saying, God, no one can help like you can help. We don't have to have the biggest army, Lord. That's not the issue with you. It's nothing with you to help, whether with many or with them that have no power. Now listen, if we're not careful, especially when we're overwhelmed with an enemy that outnumbers us two to one, and outclasses us. We'd probably say those armored tanks, those chariots would be like armored tanks or something now. And there's his army with class and there's his army with number. And Asa admires courage. He doesn't run. Asa puts his army in array and goes out there and gets ready for battle. But he does more. He falls on his face and he says, God, it doesn't make any difference. Let me paraphrase. It doesn't make any difference with you if you want to help a person whether he's weak or mighty. That's not the issue. You're God. In the book of 1 Samuel, listen to 1 Samuel chapter 14. And here is Jonathan's son, or rather Saul's son, Jonathan, with his young armor bearer. And they're out moving around. And they're they're at war this time. And they're at war with the Philistines. And listen to what Jonathan says to his young armor bearer. and, and, And they run up on this sort of about 100 in the group, a garrison of them. Instead of them taking, slipping off and running, listen to what Jonathan says to this young man. He says to him, let us, let us go over. Let us engage them in battle, just two of them. Listen to what he says. He said, come and let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. Now notice this. He says it may be. He's not arrogant. He's not a smart aleck. He's not real sure about this. He says it may be the Lord will work for us. Here is something he's sure of, though. He said, for there's no restraint to the Lord. To save by many or by few. Oh, and if you know the story, these two, just two of them, just Jonathan, this young armor bearer, and I tell you what a victory God won. You know why? He understood the unique ability of God. Oh, you listen this morning, listen carefully. If we're not careful, when we're overwhelmed with a situation and the problem is looming larger all time and the need is greater than we have resources for, if we're not careful, we just focus on the problem, on the need, on the enemy, and we lose sight of God. And yet, here's Asa. Oh, he's realistic. He knows there's a million men but he's looking beyond that mighty army. And old Asa says to God, Lord, it doesn't make any difference. If you want to help us, we're the few, we're the weak, but you're able to do it. I had a situation, I won't go into detail, it was overwhelming and it was getting to me, just to be honest with you. And I was seated in my study, been some months ago. And that thing, probably not in reality getting larger, but in my perception of it, it's large, it's looming larger. I go to bed with it, I wake up with it and I'm in my study, and the only light is on is just a desk light, and I'm just sort of meditating. It's a night hour, and from that desk light, I can see up around books. I've never heard God audibly. Oh, it's interesting how God can just speak to your heart in a forceful way. He took the title of a book, and oh, what a word he put in my heart. You know what the title of that book is? Your God is too small. And when I just looked, and, and that thing was overwhelming me, and all I could see was the burden, the problem, the need, the circumstance, and I'd about lost focus of God. And I looked at that book, and it, it, it I mean, it just from the from the title just into my heart. Your God is too small. I wonder this morning: is Your God big enough for that? problem you're facing? Is God able to meet that need? Oh, if we're not careful, especially if he's called us and we're encountering and, and we're stepping out by faith and, and sometimes it's, 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 it's beyond us. We need to get some insight as Asa and we need to recognize what Asa recognized about God. And he said, Lord, you're uniquely able. No one can help like you have. What he requested, I won't go into any detail. But oh, his request was, his request, he requested specific help. Oh, his prayer was a prayer that he prayed specifically. He comes right at the point. It's not around the world, it's not in a general sense, it's not a vague prayer. I mean, what he needs is help, and that's what he asked for. Not only did he request specifically, but he requested humbly. It's something about us proud humans. We we don't like to even acknowledge we have a need. We like to feel like we got it together. And that's the undoing of us. We never get God to help us to acknowledge the need and come at that point of need and say, Oh, God, I can't. I'm not able, God. And right there is where God will meet you. He not only requested specifically and humbly and honestly, but he requested wholeheartedly. Look at that word when he said, we rest on thee, those that understand the Hebrew language that help me understand it. They tell me that word is used very few times in the Bible. It's a rather unusual word that brings that into focus. It's used when Saul was dying and the young man that that last saw him alive is telling David about it. And and David said, this man told David's a pass by Saul. His life was still in him and Saul, he, he, he was dying but yet he's leaning up on his spear. The word for lean is the same word here. Oh, he was leaning with all of his might. It was not casual. He encouraged that young man to take his life to keep the heathen from mutilating him. And you could, you, you, you could understand that as he leans on that spear, I repeat, oh, it's not just a, he's doing it wholeheartedly. And God said, you want to get help, if you want to find me, you will seek for me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Man of God who wants to be with the Lord not long ago helped me so much in revival. He knew God. He knew, he knew how to walk with God. He knew how to get prayers answered. And I said to him some old, two or three years back, I was with him in the meeting. I said, Doc, why aren't we seeing what you've been telling me about? And you know what he said? He said, Brother Hurt, he said, we don't want it badly enough. We're too casual. Lord, you've got so many minutes to bless me. I hope you'll hurry up and do it, Lord. You know, we won't have any heart for it. We're too busy. There's too many other things going on. We'll go to church if it don't inconvenience us. But there's no wholehearted. There's no resting. There's no leaning. There's no determination. If we're not careful we're just sort of casual and God says I pour water on him that's thirsty. God said you'll find me when you search for me with all of your heart. I close not only but looking at what he recognized about God and what he requested from God but Notice what he reminds God. He said, "O Lord, Thou art our God. Let not man prevail against Thee." <laughs> I almost want to raise the question and say, "Who?" <laughs> I thought this after Asa, <laughs> but see, he's got more insight. You know what he's saying, God? If we lose, you lose. We're your people, God. He's, he's, he's mindful of a divinely established relationship that God did. It's God's doing. They're God's people by God's design. And he's not out on his own agenda. I mean, the cause that he's involved in is God's cause. Uh, I made a note of it this morning. I brought a volume of McLaren sermons with me, Alexander McLaren. And now you know where I got my sermon, Amen. <laughs> But uh, I wanted to see what he said about this, and Doctor McLaren, McLaren, he says this. He says that if you, if we'll make God's cause ours, He'll make our cause His. I like that. What are you involved in this morning? What are you asking God for? What's the purpose? What's the motivation? Why do you want Him to do what you want to do? James says, many of us try to pray, but we don't get an answer. We ask amiss. Why? To ask amiss means to ask wrongly. We're wrong in our asking. Why is that, James? He said it's to consume it on our own lust. We're not bringing God's glory into focus. Jesus made a wonderful statement in John fourteen thirteen. He said, whatsoever, listen, whatsoever, open-ended, broad, whatsoever you ask in my name, that will I do, here it is now, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. Why do you want God to answer that prayer? A man said to me, Brother Hurt, pray. Doctors didn't give me a good report. I don't have long to live if God doesn't intervene and he wants me to pray for his health with him. And that's a legitimate and a good request and one that I've asked for too. And uh, God said this to me. I said, Brother, I'm going to say something. I, I hope I won't offend you. I don't mean to be rude, but I'm going to pray with you that God will grant that. But he wants me to ask you this question. If he gives you back your health, are you going to dedicate it to him? And the man began to weep. He said, that came from God through you, Brother Hurt. I've had my own agendas, he said. I've known God and I do know him, but I've been pursuing something's his word. I've been on a pursuit of my own. I've been after something. It wasn't necessarily his will for me. But he said, yes. Yes, I'm not trying to bargain with God. If he wants me to go on home, then I'm going. But I do mean this lock, stock, and barrel. I'm his now. Thy will be done heads are bowed and eyes are closed God's people in a moment of quietness and a word of prayer stand with me please pastor you come would you please the pastor will come and he from his heart will have a word from his heart he'll have a word to our hearts God's in this room the Spirit of God the power of God the blessings of God's here don't miss him this morning he's talking to some of us some of us are in some situations where we ought to just bring to him and give up and say Lord Be Lord, take over. Rest assured that He's able. He's in control.